0: Navigating down in Mexico, finding the right distillery, uh, getting great agave, getting your hands on all the things that you need to do to build a tequila brand uh, is tough, you know. And you're flying into Guadalajara, and you're driving hours to your distillery, right? And it's it, it all of a sudden becomes very eye opening. Oh, and the you know there's an agave shortage and all this stuff. And so really, I had you know when I when I decided I was going to do it. I had no idea what the real risk was. I knew it was going to be tough, but you know, now that we're actually doing it and that we've had all these, you know, crazy experiences that have led, you know, led to this point, um, I would say the risk is higher than I thought. But mm. also, you know, we're here and we're we're actually doing really, really well. So it's it's been exciting.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man, Bob Bay. Each week with our guest episodes, I try to put the spotlight on someone who in my eyes has given themselves permission to live a life authentic to them. Our guest today is from Redwood City, California. After graduating from the University of Colorado Boulder in 2016, he started acquiring meme accounts as he saw a massive business opportunity in the space this led him to purchasing and owning at paradise on instagram a place for travelers dreamers and everyone he's a creator of driftwood prince of arts and adventure with an uncommon perspective and most recently he launched his tequila company lo Ciento, where he is the ceo and founder today on the podcast this man is absolutely electric ryan tierney baby he's here
0: What's going on? Actually, that was pretty impressive. The research. I didn't even know if I told you I was from Redwood City. Nice nah, work. I
1: did. I did the research, baby. Come on, now. There's a lot of you know. There's a
0: lot of there's the a lot
1: of information on the internet if you know where to look for it. And uh, having been doing this for quite some time, I know exactly where to go to find this,
0: this type of information. Pulls up my birth certificate.
1: <laughs> Got your Social Security in my back car. Gonna be running. Uh, getting yeah, some credit yeah, that's cards that's later bad. on under your name. Um, you know, for somebody that doesn't have a ton of press, uh, out there on you, how do you feel about going into today's podcast? I'm super curious.
0: Honestly, I am so busy planning this goddamn block party that I almost (laughs) forgot about it and, uh, straight up. Um, but I think, you know, you, you've had so many impressive entrepreneurs on this podcast and it's just like it's an honor just to be on it and you know so many people that you and i look up to people like Jake cass and brandon cohen that have had you know very public exits yeah. and my stuff has kind of just been kind of behind the scenes grind a little bit uh um lower level but yeah stoked to be here and and uh Step to have some press.
1: Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Hey, don't don't downplay though what you've been doing like behind the scenes. I think, uh, and as we'll get into today, like I feel like a lot of your learnings these last couple of years and a lot of uh, relationships that you've built through the years, I feel like this is the moment. And I think it's a, it's it's been a very interesting time to meet you right at the top of the new year because I feel like this is when pretty much years of work of you kind of like figuring out your own businesses and kind of navigating that. I feel like the moment for you to really rise to the occasion I feel like is what's happening right now. So I feel like it's, it's a really interesting time to uh, jump on this podcast, but don't, you'll, you'll be alongside those names, Jay Casson and Brandon Cohen soon enough as long as you keep fucking building this uh, this monster of a tequila company. So I have no doubt about that in my mind, man.
0: Let's go. We can only hope It's so. coming.
1: It's coming. You study uh, political science while you're at Boulder and then you find yourself in business. Anything. Then you find yourself as a business development rep for three months at Blue Chip Tech. Uh, This was somewhere you had interned for, I believe, two summers. Walking into college, though, talk to me about, did you have any idea of what your life was going to look like post-college? Did you have any idea of what you wanted to do as a career?
0: Honestly, no. I went to Boulder. I visited uh, some random uh, you know spring day in April and the campus was looking gorgeous and electric my friend you know showed me showed me an awesome time and I was like hey, I got to go to school here uh, and then you know made an awesome group of friends out there but you know I, I never was like this is exactly what I wanted to do after college I thought you know I had a good internship um, you're just kind of like looking for like a sales job that you can make decent money. You know, I didn't go to law school or anything like that. I didn't have a master plan. I definitely was always a little bit entrepreneurial. Um, you know, side projects, tinkering, but um, never had like a you know like a massive business or something. You know, no no founder college story. It was like the social chair of my fraternity or something. But uh, um, yeah, I got I got I got the sales job that I that for a company I interned at in Silicon Valley. Um, we did you know IT consulting and you know no no disrespect to that company you know those those uh owners of that company are still my friends but you know i hated it i you know I'd, selling hardware and stuff is just not was not my passion and i knew that if i wasn't passionate about what i was doing then i was never really gonna you know hone in on my skill or really be good at it so mm. you know had kind of a a little side hustle at the time with the buddy and uh ultimately just decided to, to make the jump and move to L.A. full-time is, you know, ultimately yeah. the best decision I ever made.
1: It's, it's interesting when you're just interning for a company, you know there's like an expiration, right? It's like a two-month thing, three-month thing, and then you're back to school. But then I think when you get into it, probably as a full-time career, you're realizing like, am I just going to keep doing this for the next six months here? Like there is no expiration, it's totally on you. So I think that's when it becomes like the red flag of like, this is not made for me and I need to make the change, which respect to you, because that's uh, not easy to do is to be able to switch it up that quickly. How did you know LA was the place to be?
0: Uh, That was just where, you know, a lot of digital media was at the time. That's where, uh, you know, my friend that was, you know, doing it full time, uh, or I guess he was doing it part time then as well, but he lived down here. And just made you know, sounded like the right call. Um, You know, there's a lot more media and, and, and digital bigger digital landscape down here than there is in San Francisco.
1: Totally. What What was the moment that you recognized like there was this massive opportunity within owning meme accounts and selling ad space to brands? Like you you had to not only recognize it, but then also have the confidence to then take the step and go for it. How How did this moment kind of click and gave you the green light to go all in on it?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, there was... Just such an overwhelming shift, and, and at the time, Instagram was very kind of new, mm. and it was very new, a new place to navigate for brands, right? Mm. And so, just for you know what people like JT Barnett right now are doing on TikTok, we were like, uh, it was a, a similar light bulb moment. We're like, okay, brands are paying millions of dollars for TV, uh, but you can reach as many people on a meme account for you know, a thousand dollars for a post. Right. And we didn't own the pages at the time. Uh, we were just middlemanning these deals and then we were like, Holy Mm. shit, the, you know, the real values in owning these assets, we don't have to, why are we middlemanning? We can just, you know, run the, run the content and the ad on on the page we own. And that obviously builds more brand equity. You build a business. Um, and yeah, that, that's just kind of how, how it got started.
1: Right place at the right time. Even but even then, like you you have that previous experience as a sales rep with blue chip, and then now you're selling meme ad space. How did how did selling like come naturally to you? Did you have to learn it? Uh that's a skill in and of itself that I would come I would guess that it was probably pretty natural for you.
0: Honestly, I, I mean, I would at the time I don't think that. Anyone was like a particularly great salesman. Mm. It's just like, we believed in what we were saying, right? Like the, it was the truth. Like you you could reach more people. Uh, this is where all the eyeballs were and these, the content on these communities related to, you know, the people that are tuning in when you watch, you know, a baseball game and then a commercial comes on, like it's not the baseball game, Mm. right? It's a break in the game. But if you're when you're watching it, you know when you're looking at a meme page or something, the the ads are still funny. They're still they still relate to the consumer, and so you know that type of branded content is there. That's really where just like this massive shift in branded content uh, went, and like you know these massive uh, media companies were built, like Jerry Media or the Fat Jewish, those guys, and those guys ultimately came out and they played it the best, right? They came out with products, they came out with games. Uh, he launched a, you know, Babe Rose. So there was just, you know, it, it, was, it was, like a land grab, uh, uh, for digital space, right? Like who could get the most followers and, you know, those guys, you know, were first movers and look at them now. I
1: know. Yeah. It's literally, uh, it's incredible to think about the businesses that they have built through it and it's only continued to grow. And especially I think dude with the sign is he, he's under, uh, Jerry media, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, he played basketball with us this morning.
1: No way, no way. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Oh, that's incredible. Um. So then you you end up going on to acquire at Paradise. This is in 2018, and at the time, I believe it's probably around two million followers or somewhere around that ballpark. But how did you? Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing: is when you when you purchase Paradise, this is a shift of like you're owning a bunch of meme pages. This is very much more um, like branded and like, this is like a travel, this is much more, uh, this is a different opportunity. Um, and I know you guys had approached it as like, not only could you sell uh, distribution, but you also could produce content, uh, for your clients, which then would get repurposed for their own, uh, their own, uh, brands. But how did, how did purchasing, purchasing at paradise, uh, different than, how did you approach buying paradise? uh versus buying these memes like what what was the intrigueness to want to step into this actual IG account
0: Yeah so you know the meme company was ultimately dissolved uh you know for a number of different reasons we were kind of for us I think we were almost too early and I, I think we obviously should have stuck with it but uh there there are a number of uh different things that led to shutting that business down mm. um and I felt like there was the opportunity was the same but we just hadn't saw it all the way through mm. and um I I I noticed that with the previous business there was a lot of big accounts but no flagship account right so like if you own a bunch of middle tier accounts you're not going to get the same type of inbound sales as say if you own one fuck Jerry yeah. right Jerry is a money making machine and you know they have a lot of other pages that stem off of it but the flagship channel is really what drives the intrigue and so mm. my whole thought process was i just need one flagship channel and i can build from there and i really had no fucking idea what i was doing cuz you know travel and production and all that is like such a different world but like i was yeah i was like what 22 or 23 I could do this. And so, yeah, we acquired the channel. Um, and you just quickly realized that I could beat out all these production companies because we had so much more audience. So if you were a production company and you're pitching a, you know, a content job for Tahiti tourism or Tahoe tourism for 50 grand or a hundred grand, um, I knew that you know if there there was another one competing for me at the same price point, another production company, we had so many more eyeballs, so I could offer both things, right I could offer content creation and posts on the channel that we owned right, and that was you know there there was other companies like beautiful destinations also doing that, but there's just so many tours and boards and so many brands and so many people that we could get in front of, uh, just from like dming them hey from paradise so we just quickly built a book of business and the con- the service offering really was content creation posts on the channels that we own and then we built an influencer arm of the business so if we were going to tahiti or we were going to tahoe or visit florida um you know we would bring a bunch of influencers that would also shoot the content so the client would get content posts on the flagship channel paradise and post on all the influencer accounts Impressive. as well, and all those people ultimately became some of my best friends because we were traveling the world, doing all this crazy shit all the time. And you know, you're sharing these raw, crazy experiences, like you know, swimming with a tiger shark with no cage, or swimming with a humpback whale in Tahiti, or, or all this stuff. And we, you know, we just had so many amazing memories. And now, you know, those those people are obviously you know great for everything we do now.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. It's crazy and
0: how, how you, you,
1: were, you were able to make money, build the business and then build like these incredible relationships with a lot of creators that I know you're surrounded by. And it's like, at the time you're, tr- you're, you're getting to travel, you're getting to put money in their pockets. You're getting your money in your pockets. You're like, you're the guy, every creator wants to be friends with because they're like, this is the guy that is my plug to traveling, having lifetime experiences and making money at the same time.
0: Yeah, it was, it was so awesome. And we had some, just epic times like even you know even when we'd and we were still always kind of figuring it out on the fly, like you know we we closed a huge deal once with uh visit Florida, and so eight of us got in a sprinter van and put two thousand miles on a sprinter van in nine days, going like, basically around the entire state of Florida and it was like uh and it was just constant mayhem the whole time you know you're traveling <laughs> with eight people sleeping in the back i mean we we't we'd, we'd go to each location, we'd stay in hotels and stuff, but like it was just so hectic and so hilarious and just nonstop comedy and like you know obviously sometimes when you're driving like 500 miles to the next destination in the middle of bumfuck florida it sucks but uh just the memories that we created together was just so fun
1: oh i believe it what how how is how is all this traveling for you i don't know like up until before paradise did you have a lot of traveling experience if not how did this start changing your perspective as somebody that was raised outside the city of san francisco
0: uh, you know I was fortunate enough to do a fair amount of traveling when I was younger just from my you know parents taking me to cool places um, but mm. paradise travel is different like you know my my it was like resort travel with my parents right we're going to like yeah. Hawaii and stuff but you know sometimes for paradise is like you're out in the middle of nowhere right and showcasing these insane destinations that would be tough for a tourist to even either know about or you know have access to, right? we were in for example, in Tahiti, we were, you know, escorted around by a former French free diver through the fishiest atoll in the world, learning to spearfish, doing all this crazy stuff, and like that's like a pretty unique experience uh, that wow. I definitely gained through Paradise and you know, nothing wow. else.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different type of travel than when you're going up with your parents, uh, going to resorts and probably playing mini golf and doing all the family activities where this is like you're, you guys are setting it, doing things that you can't even pay to sign up for and do. It's just like either locals know about it or the creatives that you're traveling with have traveled there before so they know like the ins and outs of the, the destinations.
0: And I will say like these, you know, these travel influencers and creators and content creators, right? From the outside it looks like they have the most glamorous, insane life. You want to be them, right? They're in Tulum and they're in Tahiti. But these people are the hardest working, grinding people I've ever met. You know, we're out 10 hours in a day on a hike, swimming. We're dog tired when we get back. And then what are they doing? They're editing their photos. They're, you know, coming up with storyboard for a a content piece that they're working on that's due in five days. They're making videos from the day because they're required to by the client from TED Tourism. So it's like, it's nonstop. They're living the adventure. And then to showcase the adventure to people like you so that you go there, they are grinding and it's honestly impressive.
1: Yeah. There is no on and off switch. You have to find the balance of like, I don't know how they do it. Cause I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, I don't know how they're able to be present and actually enjoy their, their trip where at the same time they're like thinking of like photos, video concepts. It's like a balance that I don't understand how they're able to do. And I think most people don't recognize it. Like they just, everyone wants to travel the world or, you know, be one of these influencers, but I don't think they realize like how much every part of their day it's like calculated of like, Alright, so we're going to we're going to this thing today. So this means we're gonna get X amount of assets, photos, videos. It's everything is business oh, oriented totally. while at the same time also, you know, enjoying what they're actually doing. Our buddy Carl oh, is I- in
0: uh Croatia right now. And he's sending Say us videos. Like our buddy Carl's in Croatia right now, and he's sending us videos, you know, up at four in the morning on his laptop, like eyes just like, you know trying to stay awake because he's editing his shit from that day. Right. And then the next day he's getting up at at sunrise to shoot the next thing. And then he's going to edit that so that you can follow along with what he's doing, which is why he has so many followers on Instagram. Right. Because it's current, you feel like you're a part of his travel. So yeah, it, you know, once they're done with the shot or the, the adventure, then it's like now, now the tedious editing, the, you know, the hard drives, all that stuff. So, mad respect to those people.
1: When the when the pandemic first hit, what is your initial reaction? As your main business is about travel.
0: Ooh! So our company was actually acquired in February of 2020. So, um, no, way. that was a good you talent. avoided that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, boy. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, I guess I didn't technically, you know, avoid it altogether because we had just sold our travel business to a larger media company. I had become an executive at that company. And we had, a you know, we had big growth plans, right? Like we had big clients that we were going to do deals with. We had all sorts of shit ready to roll. And we all, you know, obviously had to put on the brakes for on a lot of stuff. And I I, I was like almost even feeling guilty, like, holy shit, what is going on? Um just because who who knew what was going to happen to travel and obviously everyone at that company was a little bit nervous but you know they're they're cranking away now and they're they're crushing and they got all sorts of deals coming through and they're doing they're doing great so um wow yeah but i i me personally uh you know that was a i got away with one oh my god
1: <laughs> of all people tyranny yeah. i'm not surprised that you were able to slip underneath that one because uh that would not that is definitely not a position you want to be in and having to you know pretty much uh shut it down for an extended period of time like that but yeah you definitely uh it would have been tough avoided yeah i'm sure you would have found a way problems. but it would definitely it would have been uh, a headache to figure out
0: it would have been really tough you know it's not like i was like making a ton of money at that point you know i was like you know Trying to pay rent and stuff. Yeah. and Yeah. I mean, like, I didn't, I wasn't paying myself a salary. Like, the company was like, we were like just hitting our stride. Um, and at that point, it would have been, I would have had a tough time. So, uh, definitely grateful for how things worked out.
1: Think, things happen for a reason, my friend. Um, Lo siento tequila. Big, big topic of today's conversation. I got a bottle looking at me. Very tempting to touch. Let's go. We're not. We're not <laughs> We're not touching it just yet. It is, yet. Friday. God, it is, it is Friday, Friday, but we gotta we gotta stay dialed for the pot and maybe fire up a shot at the end of it. Um, you're, you are you're one of the first people that I meet after moving to Venice, and that was through Robbie. Um, and after meeting you, I quickly find out, you know, you're Ryan Tierney, you're 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 starting this tequila company. I'm getting like the play-by-play updates over the weeks and, and the coming months up into launch. And I feel like I'm in like invested in the brand. Like the, the day the launch party happened, I was like fucking fired up because I was like, I know so much behind the scenes of what was happening. So it, it really, I was I oh. was excited to see launch and then I'm excited still to this day to see all the success. But talk to me about why of all things, why tequila brand and how you saw Lo Ciento differentiating from any other tequila brand that's out there right now.
0: Totally, so it is a, it is a crazy story. Um, You know, in 2019, I sat at this table uh, with a group of people that were working on a tequila brand. And I was there to help someone get into the place that they were meeting. And, you know, they were bouncing ideas and questions back and forth. And I got super excited. I was like, this is really interesting. Like, can I just like, you know, come with you guys to Mexico and to check this out. And, you know, before that I was like, I will build you a well tequila. I was like, I, I felt like there was an opportunity to build a well tequila. I was also like 23, right? So like I was a little bit younger, a little bit more, uh, debauchery type thinking of what <laughs> this brand would become and, and extremely naive of how hard it would be to get this <laughs> thing to launch like insane. Um, well, yeah, so we went down there, you know, and that, and, and, you know, and I, and, and I met a lot of these people through, like, you know, we, we shot content for big hospitality brands, right? So we were already kind of entrenched in that world, but uh, they brought me down. We were all going to do this together. And then ultimately it was like, hey, uh, you, you're going to finance this project. And I was like, all right, well, mm. you know, if I'm going to finance the project, then it sounds like it's my brand and you guys are helping me with, with my brand, right? and which is a lot different right because i i was gonna you know kind of piggyback off a the system they had built and we were gonna have a like a, a spin out brand uh, of what they were already doing but that's not you know that's not ultimately what ended up happening and so i ended up trademarking Losiento. i felt like there was a, a massive opportunity to build a brand that was a uh, premium Uh, I call Mm. it the premium sweet spot, you know, between, you know, 27 and $39 um, Mm. and taking a relatable approach, right? And relatable, when I say relatable approach, you know, our brand is called I'm sorry, or technically also means I feel it, but we're saying, you know, I'm sorry. We're saying it sarcastically, right? We're, we're, when you see Lo Siento and you're a consumer and you like, you see it on the shelf or someone tells like, Oh, what's, what's the name of the brand? Like Lo Ciento, Like, Oh, that's hilarious. Right. So you're, you're immediately showing the consumer that you understand them. You understand pop culture. You understand that, mm. you know, sometimes they go out and, and hilarious shit happens and you kind of shrug <laughs> at Lo Ciento, Right. And, yeah. um, and, and a lot of things, and a lot of people, you know, they, they see that and they're like, Oh, this must be, uh, bad tequila, and for us, um, you know, the 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 thing that we focused on before we did anything else was making sure that our tequila was extremely good. And our partners mm-hmm. down there are some of the most well-known tequila makers in the industry, and they've been doing it for generations. And you know, out of our distillery, you're they're not they don't even allow a brand to make. Uh, tequila with any additives. So if I said, I want, you know, cinnamon in my tequila or something, they'd say like, you, you know, not allowed. Not so that was cool too, because we're not, we're not doing anything that undermines the integrity of the product, right? A lot of brands mm-hmm. do uh, put stuff in there like water softener or whatever that will make the tequila smoother or tastier. And not to say that, you know, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want. We just wanted to build a really great product and we have a relatable brand. And I thought that was a really good match.
1: How are you like the, it's interesting how you get pulled in where you're like, you're on the side, just kind of helping out maybe spitballing ideas. But then <clears throat> you can, then now it's the, it kind of flips where you're like, you're the sole investor, you have to put up the financial, whatever that actually looks like. It doesn't matter. There still is like this risk taking that you have to go on. How are you calculating mm-hmm. this type of a risk?
0: I mean, once I, when I started, you're, you know, like, uh, extremely naive, like, oh, I could, I got this, you know, like it's going to work. It's, uh, you know, it's a relatable tequila brand. Everyone's going to drink it. Me and my friends drink all the time. Right. Like,
1: (laughs) if anything, we'll drink the rest of it for the rest of our lives. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But, um, you know, once you get going, you realize how fucking hard it is and, uh, you know, navigating, down in Mexico, finding the right distillery, uh, getting great agave, getting your hands on all the things that you need to do to build a tequila brand uh, is tough, you know. And you're flying into Guadalajara, and you're driving hours to your distillery, right? And it's it, it all of a sudden becomes very eye opening. Oh, and the you know there's an agave shortage and all this stuff. And so really, I had you know when I when I decided I was going to do it, I had no idea what the real risk was. I knew it was going to be tough. But you know, now that we're actually doing it, and that we've had all these, you know, crazy experiences that have led, you know, led to this point, um, I would say the risk is higher than I thought. But mm-hmm. also, you know, we're here and we're we're actually doing really, really well. So it's it's been exciting.
1: There's, there's no going back at this point. You're already all in. You, there's no option yeah. B. you just have to continue marching forward with your uh, band playing behind you and just full speed ahead. Exactly. Well, what, uh, when you think about that entire process, cause I don't want to, you know, you're now in the launch phase, but like the conceptualization idea to then actually having the final bottle with the label on it, that is, there is so many things that happen along that, on that journey of figuring it out. What were some of the mm-hmm. uh, biggest hurdles that you faced that come to mind when you think about the process of going from conceptualization to then actually launching the product?
0: I think, and, you know, looking at paradise, right, you we're putting out a content piece and it's a video and we, we always wanted those to be perfect, right? Um, and we did, we made great content, which is why we got more jobs. But the nerves are a lot different when you're putting out something that people are consuming, and particularly with spirits, right? If you put out a shade of tequila, people just shit all over you. Like, oh, that tequila sucks, and mm. that—that's as honestly it was pr- pretty scary, right? And and I knew that we had good tequila. We had you know seeded it to some friends. We we were at it for years trying to make it so good. But uh, once you once you get it out in the market and you know, you're watching people buy at the store or sip it. It's um, it's definitely a little bit, a little bit different, right? And it and it, and it mm. is certainly more nerve wracking. Mm.
1: Yeah, because now you're you're actually it's no longer just your guys' opinions of like this is the best tequila. This is like pure unbiased opinion. Go buy this bottle. This is the logo. This is the title. Take a sip. Let us know what you think of it. And then it you really can't influence the opinion after that.
0: Yeah, and 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 for the label and stuff too, like we beat our heads against the wall for months. Like we originally had a different bottle Mm -hmm. and then we're like, ah, that looks kind of like a vodka bottle. We had a different logo. We switched logos. We probably made 30, we probably made 50 tequila brands. Right. (laughs) But never, I was never down to launch with one. It just never felt right. And it, like in 2021, there was like a a five month process where I was like, holy fuck, we're never going to launch this brand because I I don't like it. I like, I don't like what we have. We, none of us were like super ecstatic. Um, And so it, it took a while, but then finally we, yeah, we came up with some packaging that felt like it fit the brand mold. It felt premium but it also yeah. felt new and fresh and fun. And we want it to stand out. But we, we wanna we wanna be a little bit different, right? Like our our labels change. We have the white for the blanco, the orange for the repo, and then the blue for the Añejo. and you know it kinda gets darker as the tequila it gets darker. It's our colors are fun. Um, mm. I was I was like married to orange. I was like, we need to do orange. There's not a lot of tequila brands doing orange, if any. And we like it just you nailed know nailed it. Finally it all came together.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think you guys could have nailed looking at the bottle right now, like for people that actually watch it visually, I don't know how well you can see it through the camera, but like I don't think you guys could have uh nailed the coloring and the labeling the design uh design any any better than what it what it actually ended up coming out to be. Um I saw a photo you had posted, I think it was in September and it was it was a photo of you with the team down in Mexico. You guys were all sitting around the table. And you had the con- the caption had said, um, this was one of my favorite moments of one of our first long, ter- uh, long team meetings in Mexico. This was the first time we all came together to discuss how we saw the next four years laying out. The four years is what caught my attention. Um, how do you approach, like th- I know this is all new to you, especially with like an actual product brand versus like media production, but how are you approaching long-term planning? Like do you try to map out month by month where you guys are going or are you much more of like, we kind of have idea where we want to go but let's just like go with the flow and just see where we end up
0: Oof. yeah so i mean that yeah that meeting was like where we all really got excited when i and um you know it was years ago or maybe yeah years ago maybe a little bit over a year ago um when i you know told them the name was siento and they're all like oh that's fucking awesome right <laughs> uh and everyone everyone got excited and we started you know you know we were I think we were discussing flavor palettes that day too, flavor profiles. And we were discussing, yeah, how are we going to lay out the growth of this brand? And these are our partners, you know? Um, So we're doing inventory planning for years. We're doing, you know, how much, you know, tequila do we need to have in, you know, 2022 or 2023? And obviously no one can ever get it right. No one ever gets their growth predictions right on the head or even close usually. But yeah, you know, like for us right now, I'm to your point about where are we targeting the brand? Right now, I'm just hyper, hyper focused on West Los Angeles. It's because it's where I live. We have a big community of people. We know everyone in Venice. We know everyone in Santa Monica. There's an awesome group of people that live here that are extremely supportive. Uh, You know, you go to the bar, you go to Winston House, or you go to the Gran Blanca, or wherever we go every weekend, you see tons of people. And I felt like, I had spent enough time here and, you know, met a lot of people that this was somewhere we could win just through the power of our community. And, totally, you know, and I think a lot of alcohol brands, especially ones that don't have the firepower of like a Kendall Jenner, like an 818, right? Like they can just go do a post on Kendall Jenner's page and get 818 in every state because everybody is going to see. And they they can pay for the marketing, right? They can blanket the whole US because they have her and she's extremely famous. So every person in every state can walk into the store if they've seen her post or, you know, they just have the firepower that a lot of brands don't, like us, don't have. But, you know, we can go control all the, you know, we, we can go control all the, you know, sell through kind of around here because we can support this area, Right our friends live here and you know, these early stage brands, they go to a big distributor too early and the distributor is like, we're going to get you in every store and you're a young brand. Uh, and they put your fucking product up in Molly stones in (laughs) San Francisco. Who the hell is heard about you in Molly stones? If you're a Venice based brand and you're just getting going. Right. And so you can spread yourself too thin and that's a, that's a really, uh, it's a it's a mistake that a lot of early brands make in, in spirits. And for us is like we just want to control as much of what we can as possible. And then once the brand is strong enough, once enough people have heard about up here, once all the people in San Diego have come up to my parties in LA, then we can go down to San Diego, right? And growing the brand responsibly and strategically is a much better growth story and and something that we can actually support. Because if we go out and we want to, like, all right, let's get it everywhere, then I have to go spend the marketing dollars to make sure that people everywhere know about it and that's that yeah. is bad. So, right, so for us, it's just like let's focus on markets that we know a lot of people know we can win, and and once the brand is big enough, obviously, there's going to be a point where we're spending massive marketing dollars. We're like, all right, time to go here, and mm. we'll have the support and the infrastructure to go do that. But the time is not right now. We have to, we have to make sure we're winning in our, in our launch markets.
1: Yeah. You're the, the idea of just focusing on LA alone, especially just on the West side is so smart because eventually the word of mouth, the people that come in and out of the city is going to naturally grow. And there is so much culture and life shaping within LA that then spreads to other, like other parts of the U S around the world. Like, I sometimes have to like check myself and realize like I'm living in where trends start. Like things bubble up in LA or major cities like New York and then it touches other states. And so it's like you're already you already have the relationships. You already have like an idea of how to get this place rocking and rolling. So that if you can get if you can own LA, you're inevitably gonna own San Diego, which is then gonna open doors to maybe um all these other states and all these other cities but uh i think it's it, you're approaching it right it's just like not spreading yourself too thin and just doubling down on the relationships that you've probably built the last four years being in la
0: totally and people from san diego they come up when they hear that we're having a party we'll have like you know 30 friends from there come up and they come back and tell their friends oh my gosh i went to the yeah. party it was awesome it was great right and and it really does work you know when we have these parties um you know we've only been around for what, six seven weeks we've had like a, a fair amount of events and when we're having them it is the thing to be a part of in town right like yeah everyone comes our launch party i send out the invite the morning of and Ripping. that's the whole other story uh and <laughs> you know 600 people came it was epic right and yeah. we're, we are trying to build this thing that is the cool thing to be a part of right and it's a, it's a great ecosystem. We have a, we are having a party, all our friends show up, they drink the tequila, they tell their friends about it. And it's this, it is this, you know, it's community building.
1: Yeah. You're going to have people very soon, if not already taking flights to come into a Los Ciento event. And there's no doubt about it. I think after this weekend with, uh, with the block party and people start to see like what is happening and bubbling, I'm not going to be surprised if I get people hitting me up like that. I know that don't live in LA, like, yo, Need to come to LA and we need to hit one of these like tequila parties that you're hitting because uh, it's absolutely electric for, from buff club to I had never even been to shore bar walk in. This place is like jam packed. It's just, it's (laughs) you are. I think one time I had texted you, I forget what the context was, but I said something about um, places on fire and you literally not even a beat miss. You said, I am the fire. And I was like, man, tyranny does not fucking miss a beat, dude. Doesn't miss a beat. Let's go Talk to me about, uh, talk to me about. I know D. Murthy has, seems like he's been a um, very important person or, or maybe like a mm-hmm. mentor in your life. Um, for people listening, he's a co-founder of 5-4 Group, co-founder of Young and Reckless. He's the host of Group Chat Podcast. And I think he is an investor, a part of the company in some capacity. What um What have been mm-hmm. maybe two business lessons that you've learned either from directly from him or just from watching him from afar and how he navigates?
0: Yeah, so one, I mean, D is a, is a co-founder of Losiento. Uh, him co-founder. and I, you know, have been working on this and 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 doing this for a long time. Uh, we just haven't actually announced it yet because I haven't hopped on group chat. So that's going to be like his big announcement. Like we just did a tequila brand, so that's why cool. it's not Love public it. just yet. But D is a one, an amazing entrepreneur. Um, he has been giving me like unlimited amounts of his time. He's also just a person that donates so much of his time to the community, the young community of entrepreneurs trying to go, uh, make it right. He has a run club, which yeah. is where I met is ultimately where I met him. Cause Taylor offer brought me to it. The founder of feet. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs in LA who, you know, have at one point in time gone to that run club, met a bunch of friends, uh, write a passage, you know, gotten, into- it is. And you know, you got guys like uh Brandon Cohen, Borelli, Jay Casson, I think all those guys Parker Burr, uh, Taylor Offer, all these guys at one point I think they did go to the run club. And, you know, totally. you you spend enough time around D and he he'll teach you a lot, but he also just gives an immense amount of his time He gives back to everyone and he connects the dots for so many people. And I think for me, when I was growing paradise, uh D like came out with some funny, some funny song? And he was like, yo, if you ever need a song for paradise, uh, we'd l- I'd love to send it to you. So next day I was like, I tell this guy, I was like, we need to, we need to edit to the song. We post it. And he was stoked. And I was like, all right, I got a bullet in the chamber with D. And like weeks <laughs> later, cause I, I wanted to, approach, I wanted to, I wanted to approach him about this brand that I had trademarked. Cause I knew he had a podcast, right? He has tons of hospitality, uh, friends and connections and i was like you talk extreme like so irreverently on your podcast right he he, he just lets it fly and, and yeah. in the most hilarious way and you know our brand is about like living life unapologetically your way this is a good match you know you're going to be doing this podcast for years and you're going to be drinking this tequila if you you know work with me on this and it was like it's like 10 a.m. on a Thursday morning when I had this meeting at his office. He's like, all right, let's try it. And he like, we like, he like poured it up on ice. And he's like, oh shit, that's good. And then like, that's just kind of like where the whole journey started. Um, and it's been a crazy, crazy ride. I mean, him and I have collectively learned a ton Wow, through all of it. But yeah, he, he's a co founder. He's been a mentor to me and a mentor to tons of entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. It's, uh, I hear you on the run club because, uh, I joined it around this time last year and it was probably about a five, six month stint of like, I was going every single week. And then, um, I kind of just like started, it just, things were shifting. I lived in, in on the West side and started running even more. So I, I, I stopped going to the club, but the, for the five months that I did go it was just nothing but good value and, uh, him. And then, uh, you know, the other leader, Luke, they just always brought great energy. Great people were always there. But it's amazing to see somebody like D, who's had so much success, also go back and pay it forward, and it's clearly opened up business op- opportunities, like with you and uh, now him being a co-founder of the uh, of the company.
0: Totally, yeah, legend. I couldn't legend. agree more. And yeah, I think literally, literally, legend.
1: Fired up, fired up. What, um, thinking about every everything that you do today, from all your experiences. What are three skills that have helped you get to where you are t- uh, today? Whoa. That's a good question. Three skills.
0: What are they, I think, uh, you know, learning skills and are, are these like business skills? It could be or business. Like li- it could be, a, I
1: mean, it could be life, business, anything. What are three skills that have helped you get to where you are today?
0: Yeah, I think I think personal skills, uh people skills is big. Um, You're very you good know, at that. like my 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 companies have never been anything like too proprietary, right? Like I haven't gone and invented something insane. I'm not like a a bookworm. I'm not I wouldn't say like I'm an incredibly smart like brainiac, right? But mm. uh like understanding people and a lot of the businesses that are the businesses that I've built have really just been about hustle. Mm. So, I think understanding and and understanding how to relate to people is, is probably my biggest skill or my most valuable skill. Uh, I would say I'm, I'm I'm pretty persistent Mm. and sort of, you know, down to just get it done at all costs. Um, and, and down to go for it, I guess, I think, uh, maybe hidden skills, just being naive, uh, just, Mm. you know, the blind faith. I guess that's not a skill, maybe, but it's uh, it's certainly something that's just kind of helped me just take the take the leap into the deep end and then just go and figure it out. I love that.
1: the 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 first one though is really important, and I'm glad you brought it up. Is the people skill, which is I very much. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm a people's person, so I see that in you. And that's a sk- that's like to me my my number one skill. And a question that had came in yesterday when I posted about us doing this podcast. Robbie jumped in. And he said, uh, "How to be where the action is happening?" I think that is something about you that you are always in the right room with the right people. How have you navigated making sure that you are where the action is happening?
0: It is, it is crazy. Um, you have to be really calculated, right? Like, and you know, it, you don't want to like say this the wrong way, but like, you have to be to to make shit happen, especially in your early days, like you have to be calculated in everything you do. Like it's in who you're hanging out with, right. Uh, who you're going to go get dinner with that night. Uh, like what is, what party's going on? Because, you know, there's, you know, someone that you want to meet there is going to be there. Uh, you know, like even for like picking up investors for our company, like there's been parties that you know, I've gone out, gone to, and going to go party till whatever, 6am on a, you know, Tuesday, because you know, someone's going to be there that seriously, because you know, someone's going to be there that you could build a relationship with. And these, you know, I'd say everyone that I've done business with has ultimately been become a really close friend of mine. So these are real relationships and real connections. And understanding that, those real friendships and connections are going to be the biggest thing for whatever you start next or whatever you start or whatever you're doing. Cause you're just building your support system. Right. And also like for me, I would say I have a lot of, a lot of energy. So like I'm down to go out like four nights a week if I have to, because every time I go out, I'm meeting people that I'm going to have a good time with that are going to support my brand. And it's like, you know, maybe not as much for Paradise, but now it's like going out is like, it's good for my brand. Being out, seeing people, having fun, shaking hands, having the after party that you've been to maybe 20 of at my house, (laughs) Uh, right? Like that's, that's all community building because you, you have shared these moments with people and, you know, and, and now your network has expanded.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's exactly what you just said. Like it is so calculated about who you're going out to dinner with, what parties you are saying yes to like it. It's, I, I don't know how to actually put into words or like a playbook of how you're supposed to do it. But that is very much when I look back in the last five years of my life, everything is calculated of like, if I have two options of where I'm going for the night, it's like, okay, who's going to be here. And it's, it's not about like, um, going to one party because you're like, I'm going to get something out of it. It's just, if you want to elevate, you need to elevate with the right people around you. And so it's very much about being totally. aware of like who are you surrounding yourself with and uh, are they trying to push you up? Are you being inspired by being around these people? But that's ultimately going to be the yeah. thing that opens more doors for you.
0: Yeah. And you don't want, and you don't want that like that to come across as like shallow, right? Like you, you still fucking hang out with your best, your best friends all the time. And you still go to the, you know, the dinner with your best friends and your hometown. You still do all of that stuff, but like you have to make a a real decision to go step into, uh, you know, meet new people, step into a group that of people that are like trying to do big shit and like, go do it with them or go, you know, uh, help them. Right. Like, I have friends that will hit me up, say, "Hey, I, like, how can I do this? Oh, let me introduce you to someone because mm-hmm. I met them at a party, and I know someone that can help them build what they're building." And now it's like, okay, you know, they're going to return the favor for you. But you know, yeah, it it, it is crazy, crazy calculation yeah. of uh, a lot of stuff that you know. I would say people that uh, aren't trying to go build a, a brand or, or go do something. It, you just, you don't, you don't get have it. to do that.
1: Yeah. You don't get it. You, you just stick there's to no that point. point. Yeah. there's just no point. It's a, it's a balance of like you're saying though, it's like, it's not just like putting a, a hand up to all your homies and true day ones. It's just a balance of like, you can't, you yeah. have to, you have to step into uncomfortable rooms where you don't know anybody to then in order meet right people, totally. which then, you know, allows you to grow and open more doors as you move forward.
0: And, and true. And also like, it's just saying yes to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, for me, I there, there's certainly moments where people have to you have to throttle off and you gotta you know focus on the the nitty gritty or the details of your business and you, you actually you say no. But for me, what works best is just saying yes to as much shit as I can possibly do because I you can just meet so many people and you never know what's going to happen. You know, sometimes I'll, it's. Tuesday evening and I'm dog tired and someone like, Hey, you wanna to come to dinner with, with you know a friend of mine? And that friend is gonna end up being your lead investor, right? In your yeah. in your first venture or something. But, and that and that, that stuff has happened. So it's just you never know what's gonna happen, but you gotta you gotta put yourself out there for sure.
1: Yeah, you gotta go with you have to go with an open mind and be optimistic and that even if something doesn't come of it. Whatever that opportunity is, you have to go. Maybe this is wasn't the one, but maybe the next one will be, and which then allows you to just keep saying yes and yes and yes, uh, which inevitably just just more at up. that. Yes, reps. As Steve Braley would say, reps on reps on reps. Um, I know you were, uh, you are still to this day. I know you play a lot of basketball, but I know growing up you were a fan of Kobe Bryant. What is something that you learned from observing him on or off the court that you carry with you today? I
0: think he's. You know, he was a relentless human, right? Like the the will to just to win and to get it done is pretty unique and and inspiring, right? And there's all those legendary stories of him, like shooting with his left hand or or you know in the gym at 3 a.m. I think he 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 put in the work, and that's inspiring. Sorry, inspiring. And Mm -hmm. that's truly a unique characteristic characteristic that a lot of people don't have. Right. Um, it's one thing to, to have the vision and have an idea. And then there's one thing to like actually go and do that thing. And, you know, he, he's just a relentless guy and got it done at all costs. So I think that's, yeah, that's my takeaway.
1: The, the definition of, uh, of relentless, um, have talked about him many times on this podcast and it is very much the same takeaway. And uh, it's um, just uh, just a great example of what it takes, like literally the definition of greatness in, in, a, in a magnitude of different ways. Um, these are going to be the final, these are going to be the final five, final five questions. Uh, these questions, one, uh, one sentence um, answer. So it's pretty quick, rapid fire. First question, what self care activities help you be your best self?
0: working out every day
1: yeah smart either either at the gym right.
0: e- either our gym or
1: you're balling up somewhere in la <laughs> shout out yeah guys have a gym <laughs> Shout, I, shout out, the over there. There.
0: <laughs> <Get a cover. laughs>
1: come on through after the pile. The, the boys will be, the boys will be throwing iron after this you I'll guys need to start more. uh
0: start charging people monthly uh monthly fees i'm over there like four times a week so i'm we'll gonna have to just start paying you uh,
1: no we, we we like uh it's a good uh it's a good opportunity to see a lot of people so we, it's an open door policy if you got the green light clearance it's open door policy but we're very selective application process yeah you gotta get the green happen. light you can't just have yeah
0: yeah there's no. a lot of there's a lot of bums walking down the street that might yeah that's
1: in. why i keep the garage door shut no it's not anybody can just walk in um second question for yeah. you if you could go back and tell yourself any piece of advice at any point in your life, what would it be and when?
0: That is tough.
1: Mm. Any time in your life, what would be the advice
0: and when? I mean, if you if you want to say like a, a, a per, like a business thing, Ter- like build your personal brand early and fast. Right. Like if you're like, like if you could go back to like, what, 2013 when Instagram was around, like that was a big opportunity. Right. Yeah. Um, I think from like a personal level is just appreciate, appreciate the moments that you have, especially with your family. I think like once you dive into trying to go do, do your thing, a lot of things, you know, may fall to the wayside. Yeah, um, you got to you got to pay attention to that stuff too. Yeah, uh, especially with your family, because you know, as as you go and you and you separate, and you're, now my family's in San Francisco, but yours is in Boston. Yeah, got to make that effort to see them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you start to start to hit your strides in life, and it's very hard to find the time to to go out and uh, see them because you just have so much things happening. But I uh, I completely agree with you on that. Third question for you. What's an area of your life you need to put more effort into?
0: Area it's a tough question for the tequila man that's more thriving. Hmm. Organization. Hmm. I think sometimes I think sometimes I am trying to make it all happen and moving so fast. And need to like just focus on getting one thing done at yeah. once, right? Because uh, I mean, I've always been a very disorganized person. And it's it's like you know, it could be your Achilles' heel. So focus on staying organized, and that whatever you know, your life, your business, all that stuff, uh, and, and pay attention to it because it's a bitch if you're not.
1: Smart man, get organized, baby. Fourth question for you. First step anyone can take to reaching their inner potential.
0: First step to reaching your inner potential. What's the first step? I think you gotta like self observation. Maybe mm-hmm. I think take a look at yourself be self-aware, look at your strengths Mm. and then go do that. Mm.
1: Super important. That is super important. Last question for you. Uh, If somebody made it through the last 56 minutes of this podcast and they're still listening to us chirp between one and another, what is one challenge you have for the listeners today? After they finish listening to this podcast, what is one challenge you have for them today?
0: That thing that you're thinking about doing the idea in your head go do it and just go do it now because whether it works or it doesn't, you're going to meet insane amounts of people along the way. You're going to learn a shitload of new skills and it's going to lead to a million more things, a million more opportunities, but go do it. Go get started. Stop thinking about it. Just, just go.
1: Amen. If if there's a way to describe what this entire podcast project is about it is literally that it's convincing people to just start and and stop making and whiteboarding all these excuses as to why they can't and just do the damn thing because five years ago had i not taken that first step to just start a podcast i wouldn't be where i am today i wouldn't have met all the incredible people had you not decided to leave your career to kind of jump on board this meme thing which then led to paradise which then led to lo siento it's like you wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation so i think uh I think both of our stories are great examples of just get started and kind of see where things play out. Um, Ryan, this has been a fantastic conversation. I had, I had no doubt about it. Uh, your energy is absolutely electric. Um, I'm a big fan of you and, and having only met you since the top of the new year, it's been, like I'd said before, like really awesome to see the brand finally come to life. And like, I truthfully authentically mean this. Like I am rooting for you every step of the way. I think it's interesting that I was not a fan of tequila until this year. And there's only one tequila that I have been ah. drinking and I have not had a bad night on yet. And that's, that is a, let's go a true authentic personal endorsement. The Lo Siento is literally the tequila brand to be drinking. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of everything you've got going on, man. And, uh, I know this, uh, this block party tomorrow is going to be absolutely firing off. So please, uh, Please keep firing it off, man.
0: Appreciate it. I'm, you know, thank you so much for having me. You've had a ton of amazing guests on this podcast, and we are all stoked to watch this thing grow into a powerhouse. So keep crushing.
1: Oh, we're just we're just getting started, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode today, please, 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 I have a favor to ask from you. Screenshot whatever episode, uh, whatever platform you are listening in on right now. Post it to your IG story. Tag Ryan. He is at Ryan C Tierney. That is R Y A N C T I E R N E Y. Tag him, then tag me at Babe. That's B O three B's, four A's, and Y. Share out the podcast on your IG story. Let us know what was the biggest takeaway, what was the learning, how did this specific episode change your perspective? What are you? What's the one thing you're finally going to go start? I would be very curious to learn. So please share out the podcast. Also below, I will have linked up Losiento and their website. If you're in greater Los Angeles area, you need to either grab a bottle or you need to hit one of their events. You will not regret it. Um, and if you're not in L.A., then just keep an eye out. I'm sure this brand is going to be touching your city soon enough. Is there anything else I should be plugging up, Ryan?
0: That's it. Let's fucking go. That's
1: it, baby. Let's fucking go. Thanks for being on the show, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Bearded Man Podcast. See See ya!